0: Hey everyone, you're listening to another episode of Drags Set Past, a short-form podcast that helps you learn more about your favorite development topics. I am your host, Christian Medina. Today's episode is interesting to me because it's about the internals of some common structures that we use all the time. And... Don't really pay attention to anymore because it's just ingrained into our programming languages or the packages that we use with them. Uh, It came from an article published by Evan Jones titled Why Databases Use Ordered Indexes But Programming Uses Hash Tables. You'll get a, a neat overview of the two data structures and a discussion of their internal architectures as well as the Typical use cases and why one might be better for one use case versus the other. Looks like Evan posted this in his own blog in evanjones.ca. As always you'll find a link to it in the show notes. When it comes to data structures, hash tables are more common than ordered structures like trees for in-memory data. Things like Python's dictionaries, Go's maps, Java hash maps are an example of those hash tables. However, in databases the default is almost always an ordered index, typically a B-tree. Hash tables are data structures that map keys into values. They use a hash function to assign each key a unique place in memory to store its values, sometimes called buckets. The hash function It's a piece of code that produces a computation on a given input to produce a value that uniquely identifies that input. Hash functions are expected to be repeatable, such that if you always provide the same input, you always get the same value. They're expected to take a small amount of computation time that's a constant on average. Raymond Hettinger has a fantastic talk from PyCon US 2017 where he discusses how hashing structures evolved over time to build better Python dictionaries. Look for the link in the show notes if you want to learn more about the history of hashing. One of the characteristics of hash tables is their load factor, which is defined as the number of entries occupied in the table divided by the number of unique storage buckets that the table provides. As the load factor grows, so does the lookup time for its entries which means hash tables tend to get inefficient the more data that you store in them. B-trees are a different type of data structure built to maintain sorted data in a way that allows for common operations like searching, sequential access, insertion, and deletions in logarithmic time. It's a generalization of a binary search tree where each node in the tree has more than two children. Each leaf node in the tree Then contains a number of keys that act as separation values to divide the structure into what you would call subtrees. For example, a node with three children would have two keys, where the values in the leftmost subtree are smaller than the first key, the middle subtree is between both of those keys, and the rightmost subtree is higher than the second key. Given these structures, The most common answer given for why databases are using trees instead of hash tables is that hash tables are optimized for storing data in memory, while B-trees are better for accessing blocks of data, which is what you commonly use in your disk. However, these are not fundamental properties of the data structures themselves, as there are hash tables for use in disks and many in memory trees. But B-trees tend to be more general purpose, which results in a lower cost for very large persistent data. They are slower for single value accesses, but they are better when you consider rare operations at the cost of multiple indexes. When it comes to hash tables, you generally want to watch that load factor that we discussed earlier to try and keep it below 1. As is typical with engineering, this means you have to find the balance. If the load factor is too low, then you're wasting storage. If it's too high, then you have lower access times because you're storing more than one value inside each bucket. We'll talk a bit more about that later. Taking a closer look into the differences between the structures, let me point out again that hash tables are built to provide constant time access for single values, while B-trees, on the other hand, provide logarithmic time access. This means that when you're looking up a particular value, Hash tables tend to be faster, no matter where your data is stored. However, in exchange for extra overhead, trees keep those values in order. So that means they are more efficient at accessing ranges of values, which is why they support a wider variety of operations. If you remember from earlier, hash tables use hash functions to uniquely identify the data that they want to store but hash functions can be imperfect and generate the same index for more than one key in some occasions. These edge conditions are called hash collisions. They can be either unintentional or malicious. When a hash table is growing beyond its pre-allocated size, you can find yourself in a situation that involves entire table scans in order to perform inserts, because it has to create a new table and copy all the elements of the old table into the new one. This happens because we want to make sure that we optimize the load factor for that table and reduce the possibilities of collisions. Trees, however, will always have a constant worst-case performance, which is the logarithmic function that we already discussed. So let's expand a little more and look at the differences in The use cases for our data. In this case, persistent data versus in-memory data. You see, databases are built for storing data forever. That means persistent. They tend to store more information, both in size and number. This is why ordered structures come out as the better implementation. The author provides us with a few specific points to help show that. When the amount of data to store is small, The data structures don't matter as much. Hash tables are faster for the common case, but only slightly slower than rare full table scans. But as the dataset grows and the load factors increase, that full table scan becomes an issue. Meaning, you don't really lose much when you have a traditional ordered structure like a tree in smaller datasets that are persistent. Another point is that storage isn't free, so when the number of elements is small, it's cheap to store extra copies of the data indexed differently, which is quite common. So if you want to access a table of information and you want to order it, say, by the telephone number versus your address, it's okay to have two different indexes for those tables if the data isn't large. But adding indexes to an established database with lots of records Doesn't only occupy a lot of space, but it can take a lot of compute time, sometimes hours or even days. As a result, it can be advantageous to reuse an index for different queries, and that's just not possible with hash tables. In the case of a hash table, you'd have to make separate indexes to track, say, the phone number and the address that we were just discussing, but ordered indexes allow for complex queries that span columns that you can then reuse whether you're looking for information that involves both columns or only one of them. This would save you space and the possible cost of adding the indexes to a running database. Persistent data structures are also more complex. Storing data on your hard drive so that it's never lost or corrupted is really hard. You need to pay attention to the order in which you write the data to the disk. You need to use write-ahead logging to keep track of how you wrote that data in case you need to recreate it and you'll need finer-grained control over the concurrency that enables the high-performance features of your database. Sometimes you're even involving network access for replication cases or mirroring of your data to provide resiliency. And of course, this means more complex code than what you would have to write to maintain an in-memory data structure. Therefore, a lot of databases only have a single type of index. One that works for the wide range of workloads, even if it's slightly less efficient. This simplifies the overall database server and allows you to focus on some of these critical aspects of storing the data that we just talked about. Another point is how much the locality of reference matters. In computing architecture, there are different layers that your processor has to go through in order to access data. There's multiple levels of caching to get to your memory, and if your data isn't in memory, then there's different bus architectures all with their own levels of caching and controllers before you get into your hard disk to retrieve a block of data. Each one of these layers adds increased latency to that retrieval. If you consider the end-to-end from your processor to memory and from your processor to your hard drive, There's multiple orders of magnitude between those. While accessing your cache might take some nanoseconds, accessing your memory will take maybe hundreds of nanoseconds, and accessing your hard drive will take you microseconds. This means that as much as you want to avoid a cache miss in order to create a lookup in memory, you definitely want to avoid going to disk a lot more. Using a hash table index on disk implies random access, which means you'll be loading more things from different parts of disk, whereas if you're using an ordered structure, it allows you to keep related data close by, therefore optimizing the pages that you load into memory with sequential blocks from disk because you have a better understanding of how that data might be accessed therefore providing faster overall retrieval times for the information that you're looking for. The article answers its question by concluding that it is the correct default to use hash tables in programs and ordered data structures in databases. But there definitely are trade-offs that might make us change our minds based on the goals of our application. Alright, so this concludes our episode. I hope you found it useful. I tend to like this type of information because it helps me make decisions when designing applications or services that I'm normally working on. I find that a lot of times these internals are abstracted for us when we use off-the-shelf components and we miss an opportunity to optimize for our implementation or for our priorities because we simply just don't know how they work and... Sometimes it's even hard to run through the literature or documentation to understand what we should care about. If you're looking for even more information on the topic, I added a couple extra resource links in the show notes. I strongly encourage you to follow them, especially the YouTube video I pointed out. And while it may seem specific to Python dictionaries, the discussion isn't really. It's more about the generic, how do hash maps work? and uh, what are the different implementations that have evolved over time. Thanks for listening to the Try, Set, Pass podcast. If you liked it, feel free to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. Don't forget to visit triceppass.org for more articles around real-world software and stay informed by signing up for our mailing list. If you have something you want to see us cover, you can send us a tweet at TryExceptPass. This is Christian Medina wishing you good times and good tinkering.